Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Shalom, guys. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from Out of Ashes Ministries in DeRitter, Louisiana. How are you guys this week? I hope you're doing incredibly well. I hope that your week is going well. I hope your families are well, your health is well, and God is just showering you with all of the blessings of His Word. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who's watching, joining, listening, watching, you say. What is this watching thing? Well, we're going to get to that in a second, but uh, thank you guys for being here and being a part of IBR. Uh, Many of you may be watching and listening uh, via Hebrew Nation online, and if you are, then let me just say uh, welcome. And I'm so thankful for Rollin and for the whole team at Hebrew Nation that allows us this incredible privilege to be with you guys uh, each and every week and just the incredible host of teachers and musicians and all the wonderful things that they provide. Uh, Thank you guys for uh, that incredible privilege. It's awesome. Uh, Some of you also may be listening by uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the different places, wherever you are. Thank you guys for being a part. Uh, and for watching. Uh, if it's your first time, then hey, welcome. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, and want to just let you know that Out of Ashes Ministries, uh, we are privileged enough to live stream our Shabbat uh, weekly fellowship every week at 10 a.m. Central. So uh, if you're interested in stopping by and saying Shabbat Shalom and hanging out, if you have a congregation or fellowship, then that's wonderful. And uh, I trust that you will you know, be faithful to that. But if you don't, or if your fellowship meets at a different time and you'd just like to check out something else on Shabbat, uh, then check us out on Facebook uh, or on YouTube or at our website, outofashesministries.com, where you can also find links to the social, our social media stuff. Uh, so uh, I said watching us, and you might be going, well, what do you mean? I'm listening uh, via audio like I always do. What do you mean watching? Well, uh, we're doing something that I have been wanting to try for quite some time, and that is adding a video element to our Image Bearers Radio podcast, which is generally an audio-only podcast, and um, we I've been wanting to try this for a long time, and so uh, I finally think I have a workflow that's going to work and that's going to fit, and so I'm really excited about, about doing this. So uh, if you're seeing this, uh, then you're probably watching either on Facebook or YouTube. Let me know what you think. Do you like having a video uh, option along with the audio option? The audio is not going to go away. We're just going to add this to it uh, and just see how it goes. We're going to post these again to Facebook, YouTube, uh, and just see if it works. Uh, I don't know. Are you a person who likes video podcasts? Or are you an audio only person? I know people have different preferences. So um, this doesn't mean that every single podcast is going to be video, uh, but if if we can, if you see me looking around and stuff, it's because I'm trying to get my workflow together. So uh, I have practiced, but uh, it's different when you're uh, when you're under the gun and live. So if you guys like this, let me know, and uh, we'll see if we can make it a more you know consistent thing. 
I think I have a workflow uh, figured out where it won't be difficult to do. Uh, again, if it's something that you guys enjoy. And so uh, we are going to get into this week's episode now that all that business is out of the way. Uh, make sure to comment on uh, when this posts and let me know what you think. Uh, and uh, as we do that, or before we do that, let us do what is our custom when we do these uh, podcasts and let us go to the Father in prayer. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and King, we bless you and we thank you for this opportunity, Father, that we have to be together to discuss, to to ask questions, to talk about what it means to be your image bearers, our vocation in life. As we study and as we talk, as we ask questions, Father, help us to bear that image with all of our strength and all of our soul. everybody. Welcome back. Uh, So we are, as you know, if you've been listening, in uh, a series that is mirroring uh, what we've been teaching on Shabbat during our Shabbat fellowship. And this has been probably, this has been a series that I have been chasing after for years. Uh, The name of the series is What Do You Want? Now, during our Shabbat fellowship teachings, uh, this last Shabbat, we finished session 10, going to session 11 for this next Shabbat. Uh, on the podcast here, we're a few weeks behind. Uh, we're, this is going to be, this is episode 132 of the podcast. It'll be part four, I believe, of the, the What Do You Want series. And part of the reason why um, this is lagging behind is because it's really giving me a chance to get your feedback, uh, to listen to comments, questions, criticisms even um, in a constructive way and giving me a chance to kind of think through them and just, you know, have this actually be what I want it to be as a conversation. And so one of the things I want to say before we get started is uh, after last week's episode, I had a couple of comments that um, I really appreciated. And we talked last week about, about leaving Christianity, about leaving Christian doctrine, leaving theology, and moving to a more uh, Torah-centered theology and doctrine. And I understand that that idea of leaving can be a strong, uh, you know, a strong statement and a strong way of thinking about it. And so I, you know, I had a couple of comments, people saying, you know, well, we, I didn't leave. We're not leaving anything. We're just adding to our foundation and Messiah. And I really do appreciate those comments um, because I think that's super healthy and that's probably the right way to think about what what we're doing. Um, but I want to just I want you to understand that I understand that we're we're dealing with when we, we're our audience is a wide group of people, right? And so I, for one, um, when I left Christianity, I left um, except for you know Yeshua being Messiah. Um, I can't think of a whole lot of other things that I held on to. And uh, what I did was I got a legal pad, a legal pad of paper, and I just made a list of doctrines and things and, and beliefs and theologies. Um, the top was salvation. What is salvation? What does the Tanakh call salvation? What does the New Testament call salvation? What, how does Yeshua, you know, what, what does all this mean? 
And then in in with the conversation about salvation, you you have to get into uh, you know baptism or mikvah. You have to get into adoption and sonship and covenant and all these you know different things. There's all these tentacles that run run out and around it. So um, these are really really important conversations to have, and uh, you know these are things that need need to be dealt with and need to be talked about. And so I, I really hope that. Uh, that you understand that uh, I understand uh, that when I when I talk about some of these things, I realize there are folks that are listening to this that have that testimony. They've left, but there are also folks on the other end of the spectrum that are just adding to and building. And so, the last thing I want is for any of these conversations for you to feel like I'm trying to take away something from you, something that you hold as sacred or important, or you know, I don't want to do that. What I want to do is help you expand wherever you are. If it's to grow from one place to another, great. If it's to just affirm or to help broaden where you are and where your your understandings are, that's wonderful too. So just a, just a quick uh, statement before we get into this week's episode. So as you know, this whole series uh, really has been something that's been bubbling up in me for a long, long time, um, but really comes from or is really kind of codified around the verse in John 1, where a couple disciples start to follow Yeshua, and he turns around and he goes, hey, what do you want? What are you looking for? And I just, you know, I've been searching and searching and searching for so many answers for so long, and if you follow us at all, you know that I'm an overthinker. It's part of the way my brain works. Uh, so I probably, you know, I probably have all the answers I really need, but that's not good enough for me because I have to, you know, have to make mincemeat out of it. And so this question really, it just shocked me. And I thought, you know, if I was able to have a conversation with Yeshua face to face, you know, and like there's an empty park bench and like who would, you know, who from history would you sit here? And everybody says, Jesus. Uh, but if I were to, you know, and we were able to discuss all the mysteries and intricacies of creation and the cosmos and the scriptures and all these things. And if he just looked at me and said, what do you want? I mean, I don't know. That's a, I just, I just think it, it hits, it hits me, you know, like on a, on an, on an atomic level, a molecular level, right? So, we are exploring this this question, and so we have talked about, um, you know, who we are, who we're becoming, image bearers, believers, these things, and we're talking about looking at our observance and how our observance can tell us who we are, but it can also help us to transform who do we want to become. And so last week, we you can check out the previous episodes. We've got, gone pretty in-depth with those things. Last week, we talked about worshiping at Mount Stupid. And this idea of the Dunning-Kruger effect, which forms a, uh, a graph kind of thing, a, a, a chart. And um, I think I can show this to you uh, just like this. Technology will get better, but uh, this is the title screen. Sorry, there's my light. This is the title screen. And so if you want to check that out on YouTube, you sure can. Um, but uh, we are... I've done a whole teaching on this. I'm not going to go back and redo the teaching, but uh, we, we talked about how when we first get into Torah, we really don't know all the things we don't know. Uh, and it it can take years and years. I don't mean two years. I mean 10, 12, 15, 20 years before we really kind of start to get our heads and our minds around Torah and wisdom and what all this means, right? 
And uh, so that's a great conversation. I encourage you to go back and listen listen to it. That we should, our goal should be uh, wisdom, not just keeping commandments. This is not a checklist. It may feel like that, and that may actually feel good. I mean, when I came into Torah, I came from a, a super over-spiritualized um, circle, and I was just looking for the Bible to give me the stuff to do to be pleasing to God, right? What does God want from me to do? And a checklist was very, it was good. It was a good thing for me at that point. However, as we do the checklist, we find out that it's less and less like a checklist, and it's supposed to be for wisdom to develop. I saw this quote the other day. I thought it was great, uh, so I wrote it down. And um, it said, "There, we're talking about wisdom. There's nothing honorable about figuring things out alone. There's nothing honorable about figuring things out alone. <laughs> I just thought, what a great quote, right? With all the breadth of wisdom that we have, let's listen to each other, right? So this week's episode, I want to do a kind of TLDR, too long, didn't read version of another lesson I've done, just because I think these things are foundational to our thought process as we work through this conversation about what do we want and, and what, is, what does Hashem want from us. And the title of this uh, teaching was called The Psychology of Faithfulness, and this is what the uh, thumbnail looks like if you're interested, The Psychology of Faithfulness. Uh, and you can find these on YouTube uh, and uh, in, in, in our channel on YouTube. Um, but what these two, the last one, uh, the Mount Stupid one, and this one uh, of The Psychology of Faithfulness, what these, what I realize these teachings are is that they were an attempt to have this conversation that we're having right now, but not knowing exactly how to get to it. And so this psychology of faithfulness teaching is actually, it comes from a, a fitness guru online. Uh, he's actually a doctor of sports medicine. Um, and he did a lecture about being able to stick to a diet and exercise plan in order to achieve the goal of a healthier life. And I listened to this lecture and I was like, man, this, this, is, this is a lecture for just life in general and especially as it pertains to us in, in trying to develop that image of God vocation and, and, and those things. So, um, so there's this quote that, that he has in this, this lecture that I just thought was excellent. And he says, success is generally determined by our ability to adhere and stay faithful to a course of action and let wisdom develop. So I tweaked this quote a little bit. I added the let wisdom develop part because I think that's an important part in our world and how we're thinking about this. So success, what is success? Well, most of us have a decent idea, at least a roundabout idea of what Hashem wants us to be personally, morally, spiritually, in your prayer life, in your study habits, uh, how you treat people, how you, you know, we, we have a pretty good idea of what that looks like. We're going to dive into that a lot later as the episodes uh, come. And then there is what God asks us in our calling. What is our calling and what does Hashem want from us in that calling, right? And so there are these kind of, the, these two sides to what success is, 
you may know what God wants you to do and may know what he wants you to be. So success is achieving those things or at least being on the road to achieving those attributes and those, uh, you know, making those things happen as you're calling. So success is generally determined. It's determined, not, not characteristically, whatever. It's determined. You won't become who you are supposed to be, who God is asking you to be, and you won't fulfill God's call on your life unless you do this. It is determined by our ability to adhere or stay faithful to a course of action. That's super important because you may, again, you may know what God is asking you to become. You may, you may have in your mind the, the moral, spiritual, whatever, person that God is asking you to be. But do you have a course of action? Are you just expecting it to kind of like organically happen as you pray and study? It will happen as you pray and study, um, but it's out of, it's out of, uh, it's, it's amorphous and it's just kind of like, well, whatever. But do you have a course of action? Uh, and, and if you are looking at fulfilling your God's call for your life, right? And actually, like the mission that he's given you personally, things that he's given you to do, do you have a course of action for how you're going to fulfill those things? Um, this is this is tough. This is this is like pretty gritty, down in the dirt work stuff, right? And this is not salvation. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about because we're saved, right? We're we're past the salvation thing, hopefully, um, and we're and we're we're now on the journey of how do I please the God who saved me? How do I live for the God who saved me? So. Sticking to a course of action and letting wisdom develop, not just doing things, but learning how to be the person God wants you to be and being comfortable in that skin, being comfortable in that body, learning how to to walk in the calling that he's given you and being comfortable doing that like it's second nature, right? So then there's a question that arises from that quote, and the question is, is there a systematic way to grow our adherence. They go, well, like, that's great. Um, first of all, I, I don't know, you know, I can't be adherent, or that sounds like really um, stiff and rigid and stagnant, or I don't have a problem with that verbiage. Well, is there a way to grow, a systematic way to grow our adherence or faithfulness um, in order to be the people we're supposed to be? Can we work on the adherence part? I'm not even talking about the necessarily the individual things that we do, but just the attitude towards putting ourselves in a system, in a ritual, in an observance, right? This is, again, all things that we've talked about now, we're just building them out. So there are six different uh, parts to this process of adherence and motivation. One of the, the, the quotes I love uh, I love one of the, the, the quotes that he makes is, um, you know, talking about inspiration, motivation, et cetera. The, the problem we have in sticking to a plan and sticking to a course of action and cultivating ourselves, the problem that we have is usually not with the inspiration or motivation, right? You're, we don't fail to become the people that God wants us to be the people that we want to become, we don't fail to become those people because we're not inspired or because we're not motivated. We get inspiration, motivation, 
Those words we kind of mix together like they're the same thing and they're not. Then there's a word that we never talk about, which is adherence. We talk about it in terms of faithfulness, but I like the the adherence is a little more militant and it kind of puts some more accountability on me. It It puts a little more pressure on me. Adherence. Are you adherent to a course of action, right? So we're going to talk really quickly about just the, the, the six phases. I'm going to run through them really quickly. Uh, again, you can watch the teaching, but I want to talk about this because it's going to set us up. And it's going to really build a good foundation for where we go are going in the future. So the first is inspiration. The second is motivation. The third is intention. The fourth is discipline. The fifth is habit. And then the last is passion. See, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I just can't get passionate about X, Y, Z. Or I'm not, you know, I'm not passionate about studying the temple. Or I'm not passionate about, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. The thing is that it's not about inspiration or motivation or passion or any of these things individually. It's about the entirety of them and how they grow our adherence. You can not be interested in something, and that's fine. It's whenever you are interested, but you just can't get moving. That's where this stuff comes in. So inspiration, motivation, intention, discipline, habit, and passion. What is inspiration? Well, inspiration is that spark that gets you to move. It's the, it's the, it, a lot of it is emotional. It's the emotional like, oh, let's, let's go. Let's get closer to God. Let's, you know, it's that spark that gets you to move. Um, get you to move closer to God, get you to, you know, in general, get you to, to start a new study, uh, gets you to start a new prayer regimen, you know, it gets you moving, gets you to, to be brave and step out and actually, uh, start to do the things that God is calling you to do, even though it's weird and uncomfortable and unknown, right? It's that, that inspiration, right? Um, it's the thing that gets you to, to, to jump off. It's that spark, right? The problem with inspiration is that inspiration just goes like, whoop, and, and you like you get a big spark, but you don't stay inspired. It's difficult to stay inspired because you're not supposed to stay inspired. Inspiration is supposed to just be the kick that gets you moving, right? So after inspiration comes motivation, Well, what is motivation? Motivation is an internal desire to want to draw closer to a goal. Motivation is that internal thing like I'm motivated. So inspiration is a quick lot of get you going. Motivation is a little more long term, long burn, but it's still not the thing that's going to carry you through to achieving your goal. Motivation is good for kind of fueling your adherence uh, day to day after inspiration has waned, right? So it's good for for just, I'm not feeling inspired, but I have to stay motivated. I'm staying motivated, right? Next is intention. Intention is important because it is a commitment. You don't feel intention, you decide intention. Intention is a commitment to execute the plan, the, 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 the plan of action, right, that we talked about earlier. It's that commitment, I'm going to be intentional about doing X, Y, Z. So whatever your plan is, hoping that you have a plan, or we're going to, that's part of what this series is all about, is developing a plan that we're going to get to. But intention is that commitment to stick to that plan and execute that plan. I love this quote. Without intention, goals are just wishes. And we're going to talk a lot about goals 
in future lessons. If you've been with us on Shabbat, you've already heard this, but without intention, goals are just wishes. Intention is that I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep plugging at my plan, right? And then we have discipline, habit, and passion, which we'll talk about later. So how many times have you felt inspiration to, again, become closer to God in general or um, start a new study or you know do something as it pertains to growing in your image-bearing vocation? How many times have you started to do that and then it just kind of fizzles? I mean, you know, for most of us, this has happened, you know, several times, not just in our spiritual walk, but just as a whole, right? It happens to us. We get we get inspired in a service or reading a scripture or talking to someone else. We're like, yeah, I'm going to, I want to do that. And then we may try it, we may start, and then it just kind of, yeah, it just wanes, right? That's because you were inspired and that's where it stopped. Inspiration is where the process stopped. And we didn't have any motivation. We never put in a plan, right? We never developed discipline and formed habits, right? And so, our, and so that we could become passionate, all right? So as we close out this segment, when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the psychology of faithfulness and how it impacts our ability to be the image bearers God has called us to be. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Shalom, shalom. All right, guys, welcome back. So how many times has that happened for you? How many times, right? And I hope that by talking about these steps in in this, it kind of helps you to, you're going to help to, I wanted to, to help you to start being able to, um, to inventory your life because inventorying yourself and self-analysis is going to be a massive part of this conversation. And you have to be able to audit yourself and determine like where have, where do I fall down usually? So maybe you're a kind of person who gets a spark of wanting to develop a character trait. Like you realize you hear a teaching or you read a scripture and you go like, man, I'm just really, that's a character trait I need to develop, right? And so you have an inspiration to do it. Like I'm going to do this, right? And Maybe you have motivation from day to day, you work on it, but maybe, and maybe you're intentional, you're intentionally working on this thing, and maybe it goes for two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, three months, and eventually it just wears you out. You get tired of doing that. Maybe it's because you didn't have a plan. You were intentional, but it was kind of like shooting in the dark, right? Or maybe you have an inspiration to do something, but you just, you lack the motivation, that day-to-day grind that when inspiration waxes and wanes, and motivation will wax and wane, but you you just, you know, it depends on, maybe you just don't have the discipline, you haven't developed the discipline. So sharing these six things, I hope that will give you some, some, uh, some ways to audit your life, right? The question we asked earlier about how many times you've started to develop, become closer to God, whatever it is, learn, you know, maybe you wanna maybe you wanna handwrite the Bible. Um, that's a there's a lot of people that are doing that. I think it's awesome. 
Um, you know, how many times have you started that if that's your thing and just gone like, I can't do that? Well, have you put these things in place, right? Go back and listen to that psychology of faithfulness teaching, um, and it will help give you a really good, I think, guideline and structure for putting those things in place, right? Because the, the thing is, many of us are the same. We, we, we're doing the same. We're thinking the same. We're speaking the same. We're the same person that we were last year, last month, last week. And, you know, as challenging as this was for me at one point in my life, and it may be for you, I, I used to have a pastor all the time that said, if you're not growing, you're dying. And, and I was at a stage in my life for a while where I just didn't have the emotional or mental energy to grow. I was just conserving all of the energy I had just to survive, right? Some of you might be there. You might have been there. You know what that's like. I can't grow. I'm, I'm, uh, the water's right here and I'm just, I'm just surviving, right? That, that's as good as I can do. So don't talk to me about growth. I would love to grow ideally, but, but I can't. Ideally, I, I can make it through today, right? So, but the, the truth of the matter really is in those seasons, we need to conserve and we need to self care and we need to take and let God, let God, you know, be faithful as he is. But we need to heal through those areas, and when, when, once we are able, whether it takes you a year, 10 years, once we are able to heal through those areas, then it's time to start growing. And then at that point, if we're not growing, we're choosing to remain incapacitated, right? We're choosing to remain in that place because that place has become comfortable like a cocoon around us almost, right? And our dysfunction is now the place we live because it's comfortable, so... We don't want to stay the same week after week, month after month, year after year. Small, tiny increments of growth are what we're after, right? Um, we're reading a book. Um, many of you that are following us on Shabbat will know, but if uh, you uh, are just tuning in to the podcast, or, or I can show you now on the podcast, this book uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear. As you can see, it. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, you can see all of my tags and my notes and stuff. I'm teaching from this book. And you know what? I don't know anything about James Clear. I don't know his theology. I don't know whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's religious or not. Doesn't matter. I don't care. But the title itself, Atomic Habits. Now, when you think about atomic, uh, you think about nuclear massive explosions, right? Mass. So you would think, well, like, this is massive changes, massive changes in habits. No. Atomic being, you know, the smallest particle, the smallest incremental changes is, is what needs to happen. So don't get overwhelmed by growth. If you're tired, if you're hurting, if you're healing, don't get overwhelmed by me talking about, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Listen, small, 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 itty-bitty things. Um, and that's why hopefully this list about, you know, inspiration and motivation and discipline things can help you to kind of see, okay, this is an area I can work on for now. So we... We talk about every Yom Kippur, um, Elul and uh, Yamim Noraim, you know, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. These are all, this is the great time of the year. It's the time of the year to self-reflect and to analyze and to set goals for next year. Um, and, and because the, the way we talk about it here at OEM is that, you know, um, this Yom Kippur coming, I don't want to have to repent again for the, the things that I repented of last Yom Kippur because that was brutal. It was awful, and I don't want to have to do that again. So 
setting at Yom Kippur, am I setting a new goal? Am I setting a new direction for this year so that I can look back next Yom Kippur, not to say arrogantly, I did it, I'm a better person than I was, but to say to Hashem, when we stand before Him at Yom Kippur, to say, you gave me intelligence, you gave me a will, you gave me your word, you gave me your spirit, and look, this is what I'm returning to you this Yom Kippur. I'm coming back. You made an investment in me, and I'm coming back with a with a, a full, uh, you know, a, a tenfold return because I've taken the the trust that you have in me, Hashem. I'm taking the the loyalty and the investment that you have in me, and I'm bringing it back to you, man. That's an incredible way to think about what we're doing and what we're working towards. So we're not talking about. You know, we're not talking about doing things on our own so that we can be arrogant and prideful. That's that's not it at all. We're talking about taking the things that Hashem invested in us and returning it to Him, right? So, why do we? Why are we where we are, which is where we have been, right? What are those two things? So, we we fail to change as we desire for two reasons. There's two major reasons. And these are things, again, we're going to develop through the rest of, of these, these discussions. So number one is we'll try to change the wrong thing. Um, we try to change the wrong thing. In other words, we think this is our problem, but there's an underlying problem. We try to change maybe the way we, maybe, maybe, um, you know, the way we treat people. There's a certain way we treat people and we try to change that thing. But we're just tackling a symptom. Maybe you're really judgmental. And so maybe you go, you know what, I really need to work on being judgmental. And so you try to cultivate a less judgmental attitude. But it seems to never work. It seems you just can't change being judgmental and critical. But maybe that's just the symptom, and maybe the issue is that you're there's something in you that needs to be healed and fixed so that you can see other people in a different way because you're seeing them how you see yourself, right? So we try to change the wrong thing sometimes. So diagnosis is really important. Having a good way to, to diagnose what's and audit what's going on in us is really super important, right? So that's number one. That's why we really never make any progress, is that we fail to change the right thing. Um, Number two is that we try to change our habits in the wrong wrong way, right? Um, This is going to be the bulk of what the rest of our discussion centers around, changing our habits in the right way, changing our habits, because punchline is... Ultimately, our habits become or make us who we are, and who we are determines which habits we have. It's this feedback loop. You're going to hear me say that several times. It's a it's a a beautiful way of kind of thinking about this and doing this. So, there are three um, levels, three spheres at which change occurs, and. I love thinking about it in the terms of circles. This is how it's illustrated in in the book, Atomic Habits. And I I love that he used circles because if you follow us um, or have followed us for any length of time, you know that I love circles. When we're talking about um, Kedusha and we're talking about, you know, 
Um, you have in the center, you have the Holy of Holies, right? And then out from that, you have another level, then out from that, out from that, out from that, and you have these spheres of holiness, right? And holiness increases every level you go in, right? Which means that you have greater access to the presence of Hashem, but also there's more required of you. You are also restricted by more in your life. Think about it. If you've never heard us talk about this, um, the Kohen Gadol goes into the Holy of Holies one time a year, right, on Yom Kippur. And we go like, yeah, that's that's the job I would want. Uh, and sure, he has access, right? He gets to actually be in Shekinah once a year, which is incredible. However, the high priest can't marry who he wants. He can't even attend the funeral of his family. I mean, he has he lives under some major restrictions, um, and so I love, I love circles, right? Well, the way that we talk about how we are built, humanity is built, and how we change, the outside circle, uh, we're going to call them outcomes is what Mr. Clear calls them in the book. The next circle in is processes. So you have outcomes, processes, and then the center is identity, right? Who we really are. So we can change in these three ways. We can change our outcomes, right? We can just try to focus on getting a different outcome. We can try to change our processes or our systems, or we can try to change our identity. And so changing our outcomes is concerned with the result. The result is the, is the, the target, right? That's the thing that we focus on. So um, if you go to your doctor, and he says, or she says, listen, your, you know, your blood pressure's up, your blood sugar's not right, your kidneys are, you know, having trouble, um, you need to lose some weight, um, you need to get in the gym, you need to, you know, you need to have, you need to start working on your health, or else things are going to go bad really quickly. So if that's the scenario you're faced with, then losing weight can be the out, you're trying to change your weight, right? You're trying to change your weight, whatever that means. The, the goal is the weight has to come down. You have to see less numbers on the scale each week, right? Or, or lower numbers on the scale each week. Um, let's talk about this in a religious context. Let's say um, you realize like, okay, I need to do better about um, having a plan to keep Shabbat and being more, more intentional about how I keep Shabbat, right? And so I'm going to start lighting candles, right? And that's the, you just want to get to a place where you're lighting candles every week, which is not a bad place to be, right? Not a bad place to be at all. That's a, that's a good thing. But the outcome is that I'm keeping Shabbat by lighting candles, okay? Again, which is fine. Just like in our first example, losing weight is fine. You've lost weight, great, okay, good. You've, you've lit candles, right? Or your prayer life or your study life, whatever, whatever it may be. You're changing your outcome, okay? Number two. You can change your process, right? Focus on changing the mechanics, the ritual part, the liturgy part um, of the way you do things. So um, let's say that uh, in your losing weight example, you set aside a time every day to walk. Your doctor says you have to get in 10,000 steps a day, right? Eight to 10,000 steps. Okay, you set your routine. I'm going to do these things. That's my process, right? 
going to focus on, on the steps to lose the weight. Let's talk about Shabbat. You structure your Friday, or you structure your, your, your Friday, let's say, or ideally your whole week, to where Friday evening, Friday afternoon as you're getting off of work, things are easier in order for you to be able to light candles and welcome in the Shabbat with your family. That's a process, that's a system, that's a habit change, which is great, right? Um, this area of, of change, the center circle of change, is where successful behavioral habits and that change is done. That's where this work is done. You're changing your habits, right? Observance. When we talk about observance the last couple of weeks, observance is built in this level. It's built right here in this, in this level, right? The third sphere, the third area where we change is a change in our identity, that center circle. So again, outcomes, processes, identity. So identity is where we change our beliefs, our worldview, how we see the world, but it's also how we change our beliefs about ourself, our self-image, um, where you might have criticism for other people or criticism for yourself or criticism of others because of how you, crit- whatever it is. That all happens on an identity level, right? So again, going back to our judgmental thing, you go like, well, my goal is to not be judgmental, okay? And you could just try to stop being, you could just try to stop being judgmental. So when those critical thoughts come into your mind, you you just go like, Nope, not going not gonna to act on it, which is fine. But then you also could take the next step inward and you could say, okay, as these thoughts come into my mind, I'm going to have a routine. I'm going to have a ritual that helps me to process through them so that I don't end up becoming critical or judgmental, right? The most inside is identity is that I'm going to find out why I'm critical and once I find out why I'm critical, then I can fix that, and then all the other things fix themselves, right? So this is where our beliefs and assumptions and biases live, is in our identity, right? Identity is what you believe, not only about the outside world, but also what you believe about yourself. So we can, uh, you can have outcome-based habits, which means that you look at your outcome, you form habits, and those habits eventually change your identity, which is one way to do this. Or you can have identity-based change, which is that you change who you are, which in turn begins to change your systems or your processes, which in turn changes your outcomes. One, one way is not better than the other, and these levels are not better than one another necessarily. The focus should be on the direction of the change, and that's what we're going to focus on in this, you know, in this this set of, of discussions, the direction of the change. So as we journey through, you know, finding out who we are and, and, and journey from where we are into who we want to be, the path has to go through identity. Now, next week, we're going to have a a whole thing about identity. Uh, Maybe not next week, maybe a couple of weeks, but we're going to do a whole thing about identity and it's going to take us a few weeks because I think it's really key. So I want to uh, I want to, to read this out of the book Atomic Habits again. If you if you don't have the book, I would encourage you to to get it. Um, but I want to read this because I think this is important in talking and illustrating this identity uh, versus outcome based changes. 
So he says, this is page 32 in the book, by the way, if you have it. Imagine two people resisting a cigarette. When offered a smoke, the first person says, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. Sounds like a reasonable response. But this person still believes they are a smoker who is trying to be something else. They are hoping their behavior will change while carrying around the same beliefs. The second person declines by saying, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. It's a small, subtle difference, but this statement signals a shift in identity. Smoking was part of their former life, not their current one. They no longer identify as someone who smokes. I think that is incredibly profound. Just that small change, how important it is, right? Um, I have my own personal story about this that I told several Shabbats ago, and it's being very transparent, and I so I hope you appreciate it. Um, but I have been a dipper, uh, a, you know, skull, whatever, uh, for about 15 years. And I got some test results back, blood work back, and the, they, the results said, you better get your life together or it's not going to be good. And so I, just as part of my testimony, some of you have heard my testimony before. If you have not, uh, I'll give you the TLDR uh, version. Uh, as part of my testimony, uh, I have been involved in drinking from a young age, alcohol, young age. I don't mean like 16. I mean like 10, 12. Um, smoking cigarettes, right? Drugs, just the whole thing. I never was like, you know, spent time in jail and was a massive addict, but I dabbled in, in all of it. It was just all, you know, very open and available. And the scary thing is that I quit all those things, cold turkey. Never ha I've never had a problem, you know, like being addicted. But, but dipping tobacco was the one thing that just... 15 years, I fought it and fought it and fought it and then just eventually gave up and just went like, well, I guess I'm a dipper, right? And when this blood work came back, I said, you know what? I, I got to change things. I don't know. I was scared to death to try to dip. Those of you maybe out there that are listening that can identify with this, and if it's not dipping, it's smoking, whatever, that the thought of trying to quit is, is terrifying because you know the how hard it's going to be. About a month and a half, whatever it was, two months before I actually threw the last of it away and said, this is it, I started telling myself, I had not read this book. I had not gone through any of this identity thought and, and things like that I'm teaching right now. I started to tell myself, you know what? I'm not a dipper. This is not who I am. Because I thought, I can't just stop. I can't. I actually enjoy it. I, my body needed it, right? What I have to do is change me on a molecular level. I, I need an identity change. I know that's what I was doing at the time. That's what I was doing. And so I started to tell myself, this is not who you are. Every time I took a dip, I would say, this is not who you are. Every time I'd sneak away, hide away from my wife and the kids to, yes, I know, pastor out of ashes. Hey, hello. Hiding stuff from my family because I was addicted to, to dip, right? Um, I would tell myself, this is not who you are. This is not who your wife deserves. This is not who your kids deserve. This is not who, I, who God deserves, right, you to be. And I just started telling myself that every time, every time. And I can tell you that for me, I'm not saying it's the magic bullet. I'm not saying it's a silver bullet that fixes everybody's addiction. But for me, after a month and a half or so of telling myself that, one day I said, this is it. I did my last, finished a can, threw it away, and that was it. And that was well over a year ago. 
And it has been hard, sure, but I continue to tell myself, this is not who you are. This is not who you are. You're, this, you're not this person. You are, you are a person who's concerned with their health. You're a person who's concerned with their longevity. You're a person who wants to be healthy for your kids, for your family, for your ministry, for your call, for yourself, right? I want to go on to, to read as we finish up. Most people don't even consider identity change when they set out to improve. They just think, I want to be skinny, which is an outcome. If I stick to this diet, then I'll be skinny, which is a process. They set goals and determine the actions they should take to achieve those goals without considering the beliefs that drive their actions. They never shift the way they look at themselves, and they don't realize that their old identity can sabotage their new plans for change. Behind every system of action is a system of beliefs. The system of a democracy is founded on beliefs like freedom, majority rule, and social equality. The system of a dictatorship has very sever- very different set of beliefs like absolute authority and strict obedience. You can imagine many ways to try to get more people to vote in a democracy, but f- such behavior change would never get off the round in a dictatorship. That's not the identity of the system. Voting is a behavior that is possible under a certain set of beliefs. A similar pattern exists whether we are discussing individuals, organizations, or societies. There are a set of beliefs and assumptions that shape the system and identity behind the habits. Behavior is, that is incongruent with the self will not last. You may want more money, but you're, if your identity is someone who consumes rather than creates, then you'll continue to be pulled towards spending rather than earning. You may want better health, but if you continue to prioritize your comfort over accomplishment, you'll draw, be drawn to relaxing rather, rather than changing. It's hard to change your habits if you never change the underlying beliefs that led to your past behavior. You have a new goal, a new plan, but you haven't changed who you are. The, that, those few paragraphs right there are the epicenter. They are, they are the, 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 the nuclear beginning of where we are. These are the things I want to talk about. I want to I meditate on and I want to explore as we as we grow from being who we are today, whoever that is, into who God has called us to be and who we suspect we are supposed to be. So I hope these things have been thought-provoking. Again, I hope you enjoy this format. Let me know what you guys think. And um, if you like it, we'll keep doing it. And uh, hopefully you have a great week. We pray that you have a fulfilling week. And until next week, shalom, shalom. Shalom.